0: This morning comes from Psalms 78, verses 1 through 8. If you're using one of the Pew Bibles, you'll find it on page 521. And it reads, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he hath established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. That they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and might not be as their fathers a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright, and whose spirit was not steadfast with God.
1: Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, again, we welcome you. It encourages us that you're here and we want to be an encouragement to you. We want to encourage everybody to invite more guests at all times, but especially we have family day coming up at the end of the month and just a quick reminder of that and the meal is provided. We'd encourage you to bring your favorite dessert. If you can be thinking ahead, Uh, that if it could be in a disposable container, that would really be helpful. And also, if it could be already sliced or cut, that would be helpful also. Uh, But we look forward, more importantly, even to the food, to the spiritual feast we'll have that day, and to hopefully the encouragement that we can be to those in our community and our family. Now's the time to be thinking about who you're going to be inviting and to be doing that so that we can be an encouragement to them. We do look forward to tonight's service. Tonight's service will be a time where we will think, Uh, for a period of the time about what did happen 10 years ago but especially we will think about that under a greater umbrella of thought of how is it that God has prospered nations and how is it that nations have found themselves out from under the protection of God throughout history and tonight we'll especially consider uh, in prayer uh, ourselves and our nation and what we ought to be and how we hope and would pray that God would bless us in the future. Be looking forward to that, and we look forward to being together uh, tonight for that. Out at the information center, you will see uh, sign-ups. We do have family day. The last Sunday of this month on the 24th will be a work day. And if you're able to come and work, there'll be quite a bit of kind of like fall cleaning, if you will, that'll take place inside and also outside with windows and small repairs and maybe even mulching and painting and some things like that. So there's going to be, no doubt, a lot of work for a lot, uh, whether it's men or women or even young people. And so please be aware of that. And uh, help out in any way that you can. We all know from uh, those of us that own our own homes, uh, we know that they don't keep themselves up. We know that it takes work to do that. And and uh, there's nothing holy about this building, but it's a wonderful tool for God's glory. And, uh, and it's ours in that sense. It's ours to keep up. It's ours to use for God's glory. And if you can give a little bit of time, a few times a year for that, uh, many hands make light work. And that should be uh, a wonderful, wonderful blessing as this tool has definitely been a wonderful blessing in this community. For all of you that are grandparents, we say happy Grandparents Day uh, grandparents are special year around, but as a nation this day has been deemed to be grandparents' day. And we asked some of the grandkids who their grandparents were, and they said they were Paw Paw, Nana, Mama J, Papa, Granddaddy, Grandmama, Mama, Grams, Grandma, Granny, Grandpa, Momer, Nani, Nona, Gaga, Pawick, Dida, Mima, Lili, Grandmom, Papa Guy. Nana, Yee-Yee, Pop, Grammy, Mimi, Gran, Pa, uh, Nini, Mama O, and Pumpa. Now, we asked them several questions, as you probably are familiar with, and, and I'm not pulling out necessarily the most important things. I'm just going to pull out some random things from some of uh, the, the many that were turned in, uh, just to kind of give a feel of all the way around, the blessing that even our grandchildren understand their grandparents to be. Now, many times grandparents will say, if I knew grandchildren were going to be this good, I'd just skip children and gone straight to grandchildren. Uh, after a few of these answers, you might not agree with that, grandparents. But uh, Mackenzie, she is uh, a third grader, and she says that what she would like to be more like her grandfather in that he's a good person and he's a better biker than me. And she'd like to be like her grandmother uh, and to be a good Christian. And she loves her grandmother's Newman Marcus cookies. And the funniest thing that her grandparents ever did, she says, was everything because they're hilarious. And then she says, my greatest memory is getting to compete with Pawpaw in handstands in the pool. She loves it when they take her to visit the nursing home, and she says, I've learned from my grandparents to be a better Christian, to be nice, and to be helpful to others. Brayton, who is a fifth grader, he says that his grandfather is the one uh, who... Uh, He likes about his grandfather because he's the tool man. He likes about his grandmother because she can cook out of this world. Uh, Taylor, uh, 11th grader, Taylor Gillespie, she says she loves going to her grandparents' house because of the smell in the backyard of the garden. And she says her nana that she loves her, she always cares for her, and her papa is funny and gives her great advice. And three things that she's learned from her grandparents is discipline, respect, to give, 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 and to love everyone Alicia is a sixth grader who says, my greatest memory of my grandparents is how funny they are when they aren't trying. And uh, she says, what I've learned from them is how to garden, how to cook, and how to care for people. Kim Zill says, she's a tenth grader, and she says about her grandmother Lily, she says, she's always there for me. She's never mad or angry. Her hugs and kisses make your day complete. And what she's learned from her is not to judge others, to don't give an attitude when your parents say no to something, and, uh, and to learn that everything happens for a reason. Nata and Jamaica, they say that uh, from their grandmother, she always says to them, this is salty, are you trying to kill me? Um, she loves, they, they love spending time at their grandparents' house because of the food, and because of spending time with them, and because of the money. And, uh, and what I've learned from my grandparents is be strong, don't be greedy, have faith, and the fruit of the Spirit. McLean Remus says, uh, she speaking about her grandmother, uh, she says she makes good food and is always there for me and loves me. And about her grandfather says that uh, he is a Christian and he is brave and she would like to be more like him in that way and like her grandmother, the way she is so loving and she loves the big dinners that they have together uh, at their house. And from her grandparents, she's learned to be herself, to be brave, but most importantly, to be a Christian and a follower of God. Rachel Stilt says, one of the funniest things her grandparents did was, uh, one of them asked me to teach them to text, and it took forever. <laughs> and my, her greatest memory... Is going to church with her grandparents, and she loves anywhere that her grandparents takes her. Brook Brooks Brooke Eeks, uh, a, a seventh grader, she says about uh, her grandmother that she fixes the best and most delicious mashed potatoes and gravy, and her greatest memory is going over to the, her grandparents' house and watching cowboy and Indian movies, and loves it when they uh, take her to Cracker Barrel. Taylor. Uh, is a sixth grader that says, what I've learned from my grandparents is to tell the truth, be faithful to God, and care for others. And says, what I would love to teach my grandparents is I'd love to teach them how to use the Internet. They get so confused. Several, several of the kids mentioned they would love to teach you how to use the computer, the Internet, text, or your phone. Uh, Rachel is uh, a 10th grader, Rachel Bachelor. She says, I love my uh, grandfather. He's 100% himself and loves what he does and, uh, do- and works well and works hard. She says, if, if I could be like my grandfather, it would be how he reads the whole Bible multiple times. She loved the way her grandmother cooked chicken and dumplings. Abby Earhart says, the funniest thing my grandparents ever did was they lost their uh, hearing aid. And they searched the whole house and even through other stuff. And finally, Uncle Greg walked through the door and found it in plain sight on the table. She says they had looked for it for three days. (laughs) Braden's a four-year-old that loves his grandmother's dinosaur chicken nuggets. He loves it when they tell their jokes. And he loves it when they take him to Red Robin on his birthday for ice cream. Landon is a fifth grader who says, uh, my grandmother Sandra always says, I need help with the computer. And Emma Hines said, what I've learned from my grandparents is number one, never leave the golf cart running when you get off. Number two, don't keep the stove on when you're finished. And number three, don't throw the dog toy too far. <laughs> um, Mason Perky is a three-year-old that says he loves it when his grandparents take him to church. Uh, Bo is a fifth grader who says, my grandfather Cecil, he always says, Shut the door. We don't want to air condition the whole neighborhood. And Jaden uh, says that his grandfather always says, um, I want you to work hard. And his grandmother always says, I want you to read the Bible. Austin uh, Treadway is a fourth grader who says, my grandfather always says, Shazam, Barney. And my grandmother always says, oh, my word. From them, I've learned to play golf. I've learned how to make eggs and I've learned how to play checkers. Uh, Jonathan is, is an eighth grader who says from his grandmother, Bonnie, she takes care of me and she puts me in front of herself. And from her grandfather, Ben, says he's the most uh, Christian man that I know. And uh, Cooper is a four-year-old that says that the funniest things his grandparents does is when they make funny faces. But what he would like to teach his grandparents to do is to stop copying me. And uh, Hannah Gasly says about her grandmother Reed says, uh, I'm sorry, grandfather Reed always said, if you swallow a watermelon seed, it's going to grow in your stomach. And what she learned from them, from her grandparents, is to be thankful for whatever, stay close to God, and how to fish. Uh, Michaela said the funniest thing, she's sixth grader, said the funniest thing was when my grandparents went with me on the Tower of Terror. I wonder if they'd do that again. Ethan is a fifth grader. That I thought is ironic, the combination here. His grandmother always says, run like a wild rooster. And his favorite food his grandmother fixes is chicken. Um, and his greatest memory is my grandparents trying to play sports. And, uh, Jack is a 10 year old that says he learned from his grandfather about auctioning and he loves his grandmother's cinnamon sticks. And what he's learned from his grandparents is, uh, how to do auctions, how to cook eggs and how to watch doctor shows. And McLean Richards is a 10th grader. And he said that, uh, The question or the statement is, my grandmother cooks the best dot, dot, dot. And he just put, oh, yes, she does. Uh, The funniest thing my grandparents ever did was said, um, I I said, my feet are cold. And my grandmother said, put them in your pocket. And the greatest memory, my grandparents, is weekends at their house. I love it when they take me to do uh, old people things. And what I've learned from my grandparents is how to be a good Christian to work and have values, uh, work values and how to, uh, bargain shop for Coke. And, um, he says, what I'd like to teach my grandparents is how to use my Facebook inbox instead of my wall. Uh, When we think of the opportunity that God gives us in the design of the family, this month we're thinking about being immersed. We're thinking about being immersed into relationships. And of the relationships that God has given us, how precious is the relationship between the grandfather and a grandmother and a grandchild? How precious is the relationship between a parent and a child? But as precious as it is, it comes with responsibility. When we think about the Olympics, one of the things that, that we notice immediately, we, any time we see the lighting of the torch, we recognize that is how the Olympics begins. But you remember that, that it's like a relay. And, and certain years, the relay, of course, takes certain paths. In 1976, it traveled, it, it traveled for 78 days, being passed off to 11,300 different people. But eventually, it always arrives to the stadium. What if somewhere along the way, someone just stopped? Well, friends, the idea of grandparents and parents not doing their job and not passing on the gospel of Jesus Christ, there have been many generations throughout time that have stopped. By design, we have Jesus Christ who linked himself with the apostles, who linked himself with the early church, who linked himself with the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. And here we are, a link, That is a living chain all the way back to Jesus. But the question is, will you connect the next link? We know that our children will not always remain children. But the question is, will they always remain the children of God? I know that we cannot live our children and our grandchildren's lives. But the question this morning is, are we doing our part to make sure that we are instilling in them faith? Are we introducing them in a solid way to the Almighty Father? In Psalm the 78th chapter, the problem that we have in Psalm the 78th chapter is what Asaph reveals in this chapter to say, look, we've had a problem as Israel. We have times where we're close to God, and then we have times where we're very far from God. In other words, he is saying there is a generational break somewhere along the way. And so in this long chapter, he pleads two things. He says, you see this pattern Israel has? Let's stop it. Let's stop being far away from God and let's constantly remain with God. But the only way that can happen, he says, and this is the second part of this chapter, he says, parents and grandparents are going to have to do their job. It's up to them to teach the next generation. If you have your Bible open, look there at Psalm 78 and I'd like for us to just scan a couple of things as as we think about this. Notice at the end of verse 3 where he says, which we have heard and known our fathers have told us. In other words, he says, I'm telling you something that my fathers have told me. And then notice what he says in 4, and we'll come back to this in just a moment. He says, we'll not hide it from their children. But what are we going to do? Tell it to the generations to come. Drop down uh, in verse 5 and look where he says, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. And look down into verse 6 where he says, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children. See the generations here? He says, this has, been given, this has been given to one generation so that they could teach the next generation so that that generation would be taught to raise up the next generation teaching them also. In other words, there's at least three generations mentioned in these two verses. It's the idea that along with His precious gift we have received of children and grandchildren comes even a greater gift, and that is us giving them the foundation of faith. You know, it just gets underneath our skin, and it breaks our, it breaks our heart when we see children that have been abused and neglected by their parents. Did you notice here, he says, do not hide it from them. This is just one of thousands of stories that that we could pull out and say, here's a couple that had been arrested. This couple was arrested in Charleston. And and the crime that they had committed was their five children were being starved to death. Now, as horrible as that sounds, look at a picture of them. That was a picture at their arrest. How hungry do they look? Their children were starving to death. Some that investigated it said it's one of the worst abuse cases we've ever seen in our state. And yet look how healthy they look. Doesn't that aggravate you? That parents would neglect their children with basic and primary needs. Friends, there's no basic and primary need greater than the need for God. The question is, are we hiding God from our children? Are we neglecting them? If our opportunities and actions to feed our children the Word of God and the knowledge of God were equivalent to feeding them physical food, how many of us here this morning would be negligent? How many of us here this morning would social services have to come and pull them out of our house saying, they have not fed them for days? There is something so much more important than feeding physical food. Are we hiding it? Are we neglecting it? Do you remember the wonderful story of Timothy? Be turning, if you will, to Second Timothy, the third chapter. You remember Timothy was one that we admire in the New Testament, and we learn about this man as a young man. And you remember in 2 Timothy 3, we usually know this paragraph best for verse 16 and 17, where he says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now notice what Scripture is profitable for. It's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped to every good work. But pause there for a moment. When can the Scriptures profit an individual? Well, you probably have to be about 21, 22 years old before it can really profit you. No, that's not at all what the Lord teaches. And here, right before he gives us one of the most beautiful passages about the inspiration of Scripture and what it can do, Notice the two verses leading into it. Look back at verse 14. But you must continue, Paul writing to Timothy, you must continue in the things which you learned and been assured of, knowing them whom you've learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Timothy, when did you learn these scriptures that's so profitable. He said, I learned them when I was a child. Paul's even writing and saying, remember Timothy, we're just asking you to go back to what you learned when you were a little boy. Well, where did that come from? Back up just a few pages in your Bible to the first chapter of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, the first chapter, notice how Paul was a spiritual father. In verse 3 and 4, I thank God, this is 2 Timothy 1, 3 and 4, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience and my forefathers did as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day. Isn't that interesting that Paul says, I want to do for you what my forefathers did for me. My forefathers prayed constantly for me. I want to pray constantly for you. That's an interesting thought as we think generationally also. Verse four, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. Now notice verse five. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded that it is in you. And the next verse, he speaks to him as a spiritual father and tells him to stir up the gift that God has given him. In other words, use it more actively. And he tells him in seven not to be afraid. God didn't give the spirit of fear. But instead, God gave the spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. But where did all of this start? Paul's speaking to Timothy and he says, I know you have it. I see it in you, but I also know that it's deep-rooted. I know that you had this because your grandmother was the one that transferred her faith to you. Your mother was the one that transferred her faith to you. Only time in the Bible the word grandmother is used. Isn't that interesting? And it's used to describe what she gave two generations later in faith. Now naturally, we all surely understand that no child should be taught to ride on the coattails of their father or mother or grandparents. But all of us surely understand how blessed a child is when someone in their life is able to help lay that foundation of faith so as they grow and mature, they can spring their own roots of faith even deeper. Paul believed in Timothy because he saw his own genuine faith in that young man, but he knew that that faith was firmly rooted from childhood. In other words, they had not hid God from Timothy. Now, it's also interesting to note that probably Timothy's father was no support spiritually. And so it's not the idea, well, there's just not as many family members in my family to support my children in this as what I wish there were. Don't give up. God is more powerful than wickedness. The one that's in you is greater than the one that's in the world. And so therefore, we need to see this wonderful example of, of Timothy. Now also in this wonderful example of Timothy, just as a passing thought, but a very important passing thought, realize that Paul also had great influence in his life. So not only do we need physical families have an impact upon their families, but we need a spiritual family that has great impact upon the young people also. Isn't it wonderful this morning that when the amen is said, our young people will go to Bible classes and they will be encouraged, most often it will not be by a teacher who is physically related to them, but it will be by a teacher who loves them spiritually and really wants what's best for them. We have a house full of teachers here that really get involved in the lives of the students they teach. It's not just, I'm going to go babysit for 45 minutes. But it's building relationships and teaching them about God. And that's what God's family does. You see, there just can't hardly be any doubt that when Asaph wrote this, he had in mind Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter. Do you remember in verses four, five, six, and 7, he said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Now notice this in 6. He says, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Notice, that's the first generation. He gives the commandment to love God with with all of their being. And he says, I give that to you, the first generation. In other words, I'm talking to the adults right now. But then notice the responsibility that comes after that. After that, he says, verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. What's the point? The point is it has to begin first in us. We cannot give something that we have never received. You can't drink water from a dry well. Your grandchildren cannot be encouraged spiritually by someone who is not spiritual. The greatest gift we will ever give, our children and our grandchildren, is the example and the teaching of a faithful life lived for God. As we bring this lesson to the close, I'd like for you to glance your eyes, if you will, back to Psalm 78. I'm going to mention in a bullet format four, three things out of verse four and three things out of verse seven, and we're going to extend the invitation. Have you taught this is what he said for them to teach their grandchildren. Have you taught your grandchildren in verse four? Notice in the middle of it, he says, telling to the generation to come. The praises of the Lord and of His strength and the wonderful works that He's done. Praise is is literally, the root here is the idea of singing a hymn. Sometimes praise is prayed. Sometimes praise is simply stated. I praise God for what He has done. But the idea is we teach our children and our grandchildren. We teach them to praise God for how strong he is and for the wonderful works he's done. And I wish we had time to go through this long chapter and just show you paragraphs where Asaph here says, look at all the powerful things God has done. And you know what? They forgot God. In other words, he's saying, why did the generation before them drop the ball and let them forget God when he's done such great things? Listen, if your teenager isn't naturally give praise to God, for the good things that happen in their life, we need to stop and consider, have we taught them about the strength of God and the wonderful works of God and how necessary it is to praise God. But now let's look at verse seven. He says, "There's three more things we're supposed to teach the next generations. Verse seven, that they may, number one, set their hope in God, and not forget the works of God and keep His commandments. Have we taught them to place their hope in God and remember God and obey the commandments of God? Do you notice that, how those all work together? You can't really separate them. If, If really a young person is going to grow up obeying God in all things, it has to be because they've remembered God and they've placed their hope in God. Hopelessness is the most miserable life to live. Hopelessness is the curse of man placing his trust in man. Hope in God is when individuals can rest and have peace that passes understanding because they know they've placed their life in the God who is almighty. Grandparents can help grandchildren learn that. Hope, remembrance, obedience, praise, strength, wonderful works. What have we taught them about God? What have we taught them about where to place their life? Friends, let's not leave here the same this morning. There's not any grandparent here perfect. There's not any parent here perfect. What is it that we can do better to help our children and our grandchildren see the strength and the wonder of God and remember and obey God because they set their hope in Him? Maybe the place we need to begin is with ourselves. Are you faithful? Have you been forgiven? Have you been baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins? Have you lived close, placing your hope in Him? Or do you need to come back to Him and pray forgiveness? If we can help you in any way, come as we stand and as we sing.